0: Hi Bobby fans and welcome to PO4 Class episode 83. Well I'm not going to lie, that was absolutely awful as the club is going into a complete shambles at the moment, scrambling around trying to protect the manager. Joining me to talk about it today on the show is Freddie Webb and Sam Stone. We'll do you first Freddie, how are you mate?
1: Uh, <clears throat> not great, not great at all to be honest with you. I think, re- re- I think the best way I could put it was When Ellis Harrison got his consolation goal in the 80th minute, I think that was the first time I've ever been annoyed about Portsmouth scoring a goal or being close to getting a result in the game. They deserved absolutely nothing and we'll go on to why in a minute.
0: Exactly. And Sam, how are you, mate? Are you feeling the positivity today? Are Uh, you going to bring a ray of sunshine to the listeners' ears?
2: Uh, no, I wouldn't say positivity, but I've got to the the stage in the week where I had completely like, I've kind of forgotten that Saturday happened until you messaged me saying about the podcast. And now I've kind of, uh, I've got to, uh, I've kind of get into the stage where I might be, I'm thinking, oh, football on Saturday again, you know, we, have, we might actually get a win, but then, you know, Pompey, we know what they're all about. I'm sure they'll let us down again on Saturday. So uh, yeah, obviously very disappointed about the weekend game. Um, we're going to get onto it. There's a lot to talk about with it um i'm very disappointed obviously that mr jacket is still in charge pretty much like everyone else but you know we did get the statement we wanted on monday morning so we're gonna to have to move on with it and uh let's have a chat about what went on on saturday and uh actually how bad it was
1: <laughs> i don't know how you partially moved on from it to be fair i'm still annoyed about I it forgot, i forgot and it's the middle of the week <laughs>
0: Well, Sam, I'm glad to have you on the podcast, mate. And apologies if coming on the podcast may damage your mental health, but uh, hopefully we can cheer other people's up and uh, yeah. maybe even smile at the, uh, at the situation. So let's just go through what we're going to go uh, we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start off as always by reviewing the Wigan game. Following on from that, uh, we're going to talk about how the jacket out movement is gathering pace at the moment across social media. We're going to talk about the various players on loan at the moment. You know, there's, there's some positivity out there as our young players are doing really well at the moment on loan at other clubs. Um, we're going to talk about the listener question and we put it out there to you guys. And once again, thank you as always for um, your messages. And we really appreciate it. And we just want to know how we can turn this thing around. What are we are going to do? What are we going to change? Uh, and the message has been flooding in. So thank you very much for that, guys. And following that, to finish off the show, we're going to preview the 100% obviously definite win against Burton. Right, let's get into it, boys. Freddie, let's talk about Wigan. It was an abysmal performance. Didn't even look like scoring, really, did we? But we got a consolation goal, so that's got to be a positive,
1: right? <laughs> um, considering what I said earlier, no. It annoyed me more than anything. I think the thing that anno- annoyed me even more was that, again, have turned up for about... 20 minutes of the game. The first quarter of an hour I had it on the radio was excellent, but then it just uh, deteriorated into some of the dullest and ineffectual football I've ever seen, all the way until the Wickham goal. And then I thought to myself, well, hang on, I've heard this. I've heard this game multiple times last season and the season before, and it's getting to the point now where. I'm almost listening, I'm almost watching and listening to Portsmouth Games as an obligation rather than to support my club. And and that's a big deal. It's not, um, you, don't, you don't want to feel like watching your club as a, or following them as a chore. But now it almost certainly is. And with <clears throat> the financial situation in the football pyramid in general... There seems to be no there will be no change whatsoever in the managerial front. I don't see at the moment anyway, they might change their mind if it's horrendous by Christmas. But I don't see any change for Pulse of this season with managerially whatsoever. It's not what people want to hear, but it's all I can see happening at the moment. and yeah, the season with the way the players are playing, unless they dig themselves out of it, it looks like a write- off already.
0: Freddie's right there, Sam, isn't it? It's, this is an inexcusable performance from a team that, at the moment, are lacking any impetus to get forward. And there's only one person, really, you can blame. But, all right, let's get to the goals. You know what, Sam, I'm going to stop waffling and ask you about the goals. So, the first goal, was there anything we could have done better to defend it?
2: Well, just the fact that um, who scored it in the in Evans, was actually just free, pretty much on the penalty spot. You know, when we no one was picking him up. you like, kind of... Kenny Jacket obviously prides his teams will being defensively stable and then, you know, what you know, what they do going forward, they do going forward, which isn't a lot. But they do pride themselves on be defensively stable and you wouldn't expect them to be just on the penalty spot. He didn't even connect with it very well as as well. Obviously there was a few deflections, but you just seem to think if this is a team that prides itself on being defensively stable how how is their number eight centre midfielder just wandered into the box completely free like Naylor Morris any of them kind of thinking oh, I'll drop back pick them up um, it happened at, at Rochdale as well obviously this team drops back into kind of two banks of four and you know sits deep sometimes absorbs pressure but they would. Just cutting through that midfield very easily, picking gaps, and you're just you kind of just left questioning, right? If we're not going to offer a lot going forward, surely we're going to be defensively stable. And that first goal was just a calamity of errors. Um, obviously, the second goal was a wonderful strike. I'm sure we'll get onto that. Um, the, the, you know, when I saw it hit it, it just the keeper maybe got there, but I don't think he was expecting him to kind of put an effort in like that.
0: Well, at least you showed us how to score a goal. But I think the thing is, though, when you're talking about a team that prides itself with Kenny Jacket on being defensively stable, things like bringing every man back for each corner and, you know, putting everyone back as possible, we don't look very stable at the back at the moment. And let's be honest, we're just inviting pressure on ourselves in in a system and a formation that that isn't working. But our manager sort of decides he's going to plough on with anyway. Freddie, let's talk about that second goal because for Wigan, in a team that, Let's be honest, it's made up of a bunch of journeymen, plus Cal Naismith. I mean, I'll include Bohr in the journeymen. We shouldn't have been allowing these sort of opportunities, but that goal was, was a one-off, wasn't it? Could Craig
1: McGivray have got there? I don't blame the goalkeeper for that. It, it, it was hit with enough power in the right place for it, to be, for it to be a difficult shot to save, personally. It was right in the corner, curved away from the keeper. I've, I've seen goalkeepers get blamed for a lot less than that. So I don't blame the keeper for that at all. It was just the icing on the cake of a bad performance. And again, Wigan deserved everything they had. Portsmouth, a promotion side on paper, looking at the players we have and the accolades that some of them achieved, and they've just lost to a bunch of journeyman kids and a bald Carl Naismith. It it doesn't look good, does it?
0: That was an interesting look, wasn't it, from uh, Carl Naismith? I will say, I thought he looked very
2: good. I thought he looked there. Probably their best player. You could see he had been playing the championship a few years.
0: He is their best player. Apparently, we spoke to the Wigan podcast last week, and those guys, you know, were saying Cal Naismith is, you know, the guy to look out for, really. And
1: oh, I thought
0: he's it, excellent. It, yeah, no, I mean, it's good. Gary Roberts wasn't playing as well. He would have tore us apart, you know, playing so anyone who can put their foot on the ball and spread it around nicely. But uh, okay, I would so have liked to have
1: seen that actually, considering what Gary Roberts came out with in the news a couple of a couple of days ago, but. We don't get we don't get everything we want,
0: do we? It would have been nice, wouldn't it? Do you think Sam, if the fans were there, they might have been almost cheering on our former players to get a goal? It's a strange one.
2: I, I do think that if the fans were there, that would have been one of the most hostile, just toxic atmospheres towards the end. Like I, I personally, I was watching my dad, and, and we were like, we don't actually want. We at the end of the game, a bit like Freddie said earlier, we didn't actually want Pompey to score. If anything, we wanted Wigan to get a third goal, and that shouldn't be how it. Because you know, we want something to be like this is the moment he needs to go, and it shouldn't be like that watching your football club. I also think if fans were there, I don't think I think we'd have a new manager by now because I don't I don't think the club could have. How could they have? With the toxic, just think of how bad it would have been towards the, the final whistle. I don't know how they could have kept him. The only reason he's still here is because of, of the lack of fans in stadiums at the moment. But yeah, the, the, it, uh, for, anyway, like towards the end, when Wigan were going, I think it was when it was 2-0, I, I was actually like kind of going, I'd actually like Wigan to get, get a third and make this kind of like a conclusive win where we go, hang on, this, something needs, or maybe someone higher up goes, hang on, something needs to change. So yeah, I, when Ellis Harrison scored, I, I literally, really feel anything i don't really care it, it just meant nothing to me
0: no that's fair enough and you know i never really want to root against pompey generally ever no. but like in the back of my head and in in the in the i'm not going to try and get poetic now but through my bones i was feeling i didn't want us to get a, a result in some ways right at the end then when we got the goal back because that almost legitimizes further um the regime and i think that the pressure that's come on from that result has turned anybody who was maybe sitting on the fence and not sure exactly where they stood with jacket. I do think guess there's only a few, but you know, it seems like all of those people have been galvanized and yeah, getting behind it. So let's move on to the next thing. Obviously we're talking about the fact that the manager um, is probably not going to go, but however, if he is going to go, Freddie, I, Nigel Clough, right. He's got to be the man to take us forward.
1: Well, was my first pick. Ages ago, when we were looking at other managers, um, <clears throat> one thing that which you didn't think about a lot, which um, I did while talking to my dad earlier today, actually, would Nigel Clough move all the way down south? No, he just... loved it that way, didn't he? Exactly. He, the he, he's he's lived up he's lived up of his, per, all his life.
2: I think he'd. I think he he'd see Portsmouth as a massive opportunity. I said, it's really funny because we went to the Wimbledon game last year, Hugh, similar times, probably about a year ago. And we said after the game, we're like, we were adamant he was going to get sacked, which is remarkable. He's still here. And I think my dad said about Nigel Clough, and that was when he was at Burton. I, 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 I think he'd see Portsmouth as a massive opportunity, and I think he'd give it a right, good go, uh, personally. But yeah, I know what you mean. Obviously, he's been up north, but I, I think he'd give it a right, good go, and I think he'd grasp the opportunity.
1: Yeah. The tactics, the tactics um, for the side would fit. He moulds his tactics depending on what side he has. When Burton exactly. were in the championship, it was very direct, very counter-attacking, focusing on the championship experience and the side that he had with players like Lloyd Dyer on the left. But when they, but even before that, they were they were more attacking, more aggressive, slightly direct, but it, it, but they were um, very flexible. Entirely dependent on what their opposition were, which. It's something that Kenny Jackett is, that's one of his biggest weaknesses for me. The fact that he picks his plan A, goes for it, and then it doesn't work. Unlike Paul Cook's plan A in League Two, that uh, that tactical philosophy, I backed to the hill and I would go to games and I wouldn't even think about Portsmouth dropping points. Whereas now I'm thinking, where's the next win? or Where's the next win going to come from? And also, how are they going to score? That's the biggest thing. I'm sorry, aside with John Marquis, Marcus Harness, and Ronan Curtis in it shouldn't be struggling to score goals under any circumstance.
0: No, and still that seems to be where we are, Freddie. But okay, so we've got any ideas. I don't think there's anyone in particular else we want to flag because we've been through <coughs> I, I this week we said Stendhal. Go answer. on, Freddie. Tell uh, us, mate.
1: Uh if he gets sick, if he gets sick of the ownership, they're not doing anything. I would take Lee Bowyer all day. Oh yeah! Every time yeah, um, totally, yeah. that that Charlton side that got promoted, I saw Portsmouth of get absolutely battered by Charlton. This was the this was Kane Jacket's second season where he lost in the playoffs against Sunderland. That side was really good, and as soon as they're in the playoffs, they were my pick to um, get out of the playoffs and win them. And they did, and they and they still did very and they still did very well in the championship with little to no investment, even though they got relegated. So, Lee Bowyer might. Um, take the plunge if he finally gets sick of um, all the ownership nonsense and being under partial transfer embargoes and so on and I think I also have to stress he's he, he's, he doesn't seem to be like the player Lee was if you're thinking oh god Lee is that the guy who elbowed Kieran Dyer uh, for, when he was at Newcastle he doesn't seem to be that person at all
0: he seems no, to have grown
1: not. matured and he would be a second person on the list but Sorry to be negative. I don't know why we're talking about managerial changes when it's obvious that the club are looking at it from the financial standpoint. I saw in the news today that also lost five million quid and they're still losing £700,000 a month with iFollow barely bringing in any money at all. So I don't see it so that's
0: that's what they're saying isn't it and i'm sure that's to the level but i've not seen any other football clubs in league one coming out and complaining quite as much as Pompey about the financial situations and i'm (laughs) sure there's a lot of clubs in this situation exactly what it is to me is that they're under pressure from the fans to make a change which is bloody obvious to everyone (laughs) who's watching games all of you out there listening to this i'm pretty sure at me at Puck Drop UK, at PO Forecast if you disagree with this because everyone watching these Pompey games must know that Kenny Jackett is not the man to take this forward. The club are bottling it. And to be honest, 400k plus backroom staff, yeah, is pittance in football, really. If you're losing that amount of money a month anyway and you need to, you know, you need to galvanise the fans back, you need to get them to spend on merchandise, you need to get them to log in and watch I follow. No one's even doing at the moment because not just a bad service, but poor, you know, pitch performance and looking rubbish. The club needs to spend the money where it's needed. Get your money out of your pocket, spend the money, get a new manager, and get this fan base and this football club back on track. That is what it, where it is now. And I'm not having any more excuses. Finances, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I understand that. But everyone's going through the same situation. And there's clubs out there investing money in players and investing in their academy. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, half a million quid, say, if you include backroom staff in that, is not going to be the thing that ends this football club. All right? That's my piece. Sam? Uh,
2: I think as well, the thing, that's, the thing that's getting to me is that we could, the way we are playing, we could be in the bottom four at the end of October. We could be, because we we're not playing well. And the, the thing that I've got that's kind of like, that's getting to me is that, like, Jacket, the, the scenario could be, if we are in the bottom before the end of October, I still think, I think they, pro- they potentially could sack him. Where everyone can see it now, he needs to go. This squad has got quality in it. And I would, I back this, I still keep saying this, that the squad, on paper, is one of the best in the leagues. Marcus Harness, Ronan Curtis, John Marquis, Tom Naylor, Jack Watmore is, on his day, is the best centre-half, in my opinion. This squad is very, very good, on paper, if Nigel Clough was added in charge of this team, I'm convinced we would be at least in the playoffs potentially pushing the top two. If they make that change now, we could still do that. We're only three games in. There's still 46 games 46 games to play. They're very much still possible. Anything is possible at the moment. But the longer they leave it, the further behind we are going to get. And then ultimately we will just finish mid-table. Because they will make a change if we're still in the bottom because they can't risk getting relegated. But... At the moment, if they make a change, we've still got a very good chance. But you can't leave it to the end of October, November, because we will just be too far behind, and and that's that's why I'm worried about and, and and for them not to see that because the the money of getting promoted surely outweighs the 400k to pay a jacket off, and this squad's very definitely capable of it. It's just being restricted and strangled by the style of play. The old-fashioned management, the the man management skills which are pretty much non-existent, it's being strangled, and I'm just worried that the club are going to wait too long to make the decision that everyone can see they need to make. Um, yeah, that's my view on it, and it, it is getting to me, and that that's, that's the decision that they need to make sooner rather than later because we will be too far behind at the end of the day.
1: No, I agree with you, and really it, it entirely it's the ball's decision it, it depends what they want out of this season. That's it. If, if their focus is getting Portsmouth through COVID, in what in their mind, the most short term and the most secure, quote unquote, as they can, they will keep Jacket and not, and they couldn't care less what lead position they're in, and they would, and but not really care about the cups either because the prize money from the cups is pitiful. This, but season. what
2: about what about Sunderland, Ipswich, Peterborough, um, Hull, Charlton? They're all getting through the pandemic as well and trying to maintain, but they're also near the top of the league and they're doing well. So I I don't understand why, why can't we try and progress whilst also survive like all the other clubs are doing? So it's, I don't get why, it's almost like we're feeling sorry for ourselves going, oh, it's only only happening to us. No, it's happening to the whole football league. Clubs will go bust. Some clubs are going to go under undoubtedly. But I don't understand why we can't progress at the same time and start to try and do what other top teams in this league are doing like Ipswich Sunderland started well they've, they've beat Peterborough the weekend they're all going in the right direction and we're, we're just staying still and and, and the, surely the prize money of get, or the, the carrot of getting in the championship outweighs any sort of payoff for Jacket because you get in the championship, you get a lot more TV money. You do, Everything goes up in the championship. Salary and cap,
0: everything blown, you know what I mean? But,
2: but the thing, the championship as well, at the moment, they're talking about the salary cap coming in there. So it, it levels the playing field there if you get into it eventually. So it, 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 it for, for me, the squad is definitely capable. And I think that's what's frustrating me because we're just standing still. When literally, I even think the academy manager, if you've got an academy manager in charge, just said to him, just get a bounce from the players. I generally think you get a very good reaction from the players to say, listen, play, start playing some proper football on the floor and a bit more attractive. And that's, it, I think they get a reaction. But they, I just don't want us to be too no, far behind for it, it happens.
0: Oh, and I agree. And, uh, and Sam, we spoke to Mark Catlin at the end of the season on the podcast here and um, we stressed, our concerns about the financial situation at, at the club, you know, with COVID, etc. You know, across the whole league, as a general question, and what Mark came out and said to us was that, you know, all clubs will be struggling, but Pompey will be one of the last clubs to have any issues out of the football league. So, with the backing of the owners, etc. So I don't understand why we're feeling sorry for ourselves because Mark Catlin came on the podcast in mm. the season and told us that Pompey would be one of the least affected in the league. So we We seem to be drumming the drum when it suits us, and um I'm not I'm not having it, mate. I'm not having it at
1: all. Freddie, go on, mate, you jump. Well, in. one last thing on that, and we'll move on. I do think, as Sam said, any any change from the managerial position would be good. And I think the quote that summed that up was, I think you've seen this year as well. Gareth Evans in the Bradford Telegraph on Argus talking about when mm-hmm. he signed for Bradford this week. Direct quote, by the way, it's on my Twitter and Hughes as well. I'll enjoy being under a manager who plays the right way and appreciates good football. Uh, you don't need to exactly. say any more than that, do you? Exactly, mate. Exactly.
0: Well that's how it goes. Let's go and say more positive because I've been watching some other football. I've almost feels like I've been cheating on the club, but luckily I've not because I've been going there to watch some Pompey players. But went down again to see Bogner for Lone Watch. And uh Yeah, saw Alfie Stanley came on uh, later in the game. He had a good chance one-on-one, actually. I thought that he might have uh, taken the shot a bit quicker, but he sort of took his time with it, and the keeper made a great save. Um, Again, he looks lively. I I would say that he looked a lot more, um, even than the week before I went to go watch him, he looked a lot more vocal. You can see that people were looking to find him with the ball a lot more. He's settling into men's football. Um, He's not as easily bullied off the ball as he was maybe even a week ago. He seems a bit stronger um, and he's making those runs and calling for the ball more. So um, that's pretty good. A uh, little update as well. As long as he doesn't fob us off, we're going down to Bognor next week. And we'll be talking to Alfie and coach for Bognor, Robbie Blake, um, to give a lowdown on how he's doing, but also how they do develop the young players at Portsmouth, because you have had quite a few down there. Um, and I just want to know from the academy, to Bogner, what the link is um, and ha- how he sees it panning out, basically. So we'll bring that next week on the podcast. It will be on here, so uh, look out for that. Um, second thing is we will go down to Gosport as well and watch the lads down there. Uh, I know Freddie's uh, volunteered to go down. He, he's a local lad to uh, to Gosport where he is currently, um, and he's gonna he's gonna make the journey down to down to Gosport, just down the road, aren't you, mate? To do the uh, yeah, the loan watch for that. Uh,
1: ju- ju- just just the six hour trip, I think. <laughs>
0: that's nice dedication to the podcast and that's why you're here may appreciate it <laughs> all right then let's um let's crack on from where we are um it's been put out in the news that they said that jake doyle hayes again from i think it was aston villa um was potentially a target for pompey i personally don't think we should be signing anyone at the moment don't don't see the point at the moment jacket i don't want any more players coming in that he's signing and if we are signing new players well then we can afford to pay the loan fee to pay the manager off but that's just my opinion um Yeah, so that's come out and uh, it was confirmed by Andrew Moon yesterday that that was actually not happening effectively Uh, the news chose to run the story anyway but we'll glaze over that and you know what we'll get to your questions because I think it's got to the stage now where we're gonna we could say a million things about how annoyed we are, how frustrated we are and I'm sure all you guys listening now uh, reflect that I mean I've had about 30 DMs from you saying don't hold back, go into it, this is what I want to hear etc so Uh, And I said, I'll give you my opinion, my honest opinion, as we always do on the podcast. We're not going to gloss over it or, you know, sugarcoat it or whatever. But, you know, I'm not going to say something if you don't mean it. But let's go for it. I said, Pompey are still winless this season in League One. Can it click at Burton for Pompey to get their first league win? But what would you change? What do you change, boys? And uh, the answer to this question is not Jacket straight away, because we all know that's what needs to be changed. But if you're not, if Jacket's not going anywhere, Freddie... What do you think needs to change in order for Pompey to be successful on the pitch?
1: Well, Looking at when Portsmouth played really well under Kenny Jackett from that time, between January and March, when they were playing really well, when they beat Barnsley, when they beat Rotherham, actually top quality teams around our level, they focused on the press a lot they're aggressive, the, the, the tempo needs to be increased to a certain extent and I think a lot of that, if I had to change one player, I would put Ben Close in centre midfield every single time. The amount, the amount he gives off the ball as well as on it um, in terms of gi- giving players o- options to pass to, his range of passing is much better than Bryn, Bryn Morris for me and with a box-to-box midfielder like that, it'll help with Jacket's focus of getting balls into the box. Usually there'll be an extra man If Ben Close comes up to join the attack, then the the cam, in this case Jacobs, can do what Kane Jacket likes to do and lurk around the outside of the penalty box and move in for a shot. I think that's the major weakness in this side. I think either Ben Close or Andy Cannon, a more pressing, a more prominent centre midfielder, if if he's given the free reign in that role to do what he likes and Naylor can just mop up behind him and clean up after him, I think that'll make Portsmouth a much better team on paper. And it's nothing against Brim Morris. I just, at the moment from what I've seen, I don't think he can do that.
0: Sam, is Ben close the answer or is it more just, he's better than Brim Morris? What do you want to do?
2: Um, yeah, I, I've actually got written down here. My three players would be Harrison close and the new center half. We've got to come in and start. Um, yeah. Like Freddie said, this team's best when it starts pressing and, it, actually on Saturday we actually started off okay and we, we gave them no time on the ball for the first 10 minutes. We 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 did have a, we looked like we were going to win the game 3-0 in the first 10 minutes and then for some reason they just stopped pressing. When they don't play with any tempo and just let teams get on the ball, we just get carved open too easily. Um, I'm, so I'm going to go, obviously I, I agree with everything Freddie said with Ben Close, so I don't need to add much more on that. But I'm going to say that the Nickart Nicklausen—I don't know how to pronounce his name—the new centre half we've got. um, I'd like to see. That's right, mate. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) Uh, I'd like to see him come in instead of Sean Raggett. This is this is mainly to do with Raggett's lack of kind of ability to play out from the back. Um, When you look at Jack Watmore, he can pick a pass into midfield. You know, break a line. Pick a ball that's going to cut through a team and and take four players out of the game. Or pick it, even his long passing is very good as well. And this, from what I'm hearing, I'm going to, from what I've seen of this guy, he looks like a centre-half who can left-footed, play a good pass. A lot of these Scandinavian teams and countries do play a very good brand of football that is based from playing out from the back and being confident on the ball as a centre-half as well. They want their centre-halves to play out. So... For him to come in, it gives not. It's not all on more to try and kind of start stuff from the back. You know, you've got another player who is capable of doing that. Because Raggett, I, I, I'm sorry, he's a good defender. He's just playing out from the back. You just know he's going to lump it long, and there's not really much behind it. And I, I was getting sick of it on Saturday, um, just seeing the same kind of punt down the line, potentially going out for a throw-in. You need to have a centre half who's going to pick that ball up and you know either drive forward like Matt Clark obviously no one's going to be mad like, like Matt Clark there was no no one in this league will be like Matt Clark but drive forward like Matt Clark or look to play that pass into the middle Burgess was a lot better on the ball than than Raggett and he could, you know he could pass that ball into the middle and that's what i feel could add another dimension going forward as well because not not just defensively but going forward because you know you can break break players, break lines pick um take players out of the game um, and then the other the other change I'd look to make would be maybe Harrison up top, just because I think, from what I've heard, um, this is mainly from Twitter, from uh, uh, Ryan Stilwell, who's with Express FM, who goes to all the games, uh, covers the games. He said on Twitter that at all the games, the most vocal player from the bench and the most vocal person at the ground is Ellis Harrison. So, you know, he clearly wants it. He's clearly up for it. You know, that, that shouldn't be right. Either a player who's not even sat on the bench, he's probably understands in the because the restrictions is the loudest person in the in the team. That that shouldn't be right. Um, so yeah, for me, I'd, I'd like to see Harrison start. I'm not saying Marcus has been awful. um I just think at the moment, if we need to win a game, I'd like to see Harrison start with the new centre half, and then obviously Ben Close. Yeah,
1: I think Nicolaisen coming in against Burton would be a good idea, especially with the strikers they got up top. They don't have a target man striker. They've got Kane Hemmings, who's more of a poacher, and um, the only other main attacking threat they have is Lucas Akins, who I really like. He's got a strong build, but unless you uh, unless a team has a target man centre forward who you need marking out the game, or if you've got or if you're dealing against a team that's going to putting in a lot of crosses, I think Nicolaisen has to be ahead of Shaun Racket for that. If it, if Portsmouth do want to retain a bit more possession, play out from the back properly, and pre- uh, and uh, press and attack quickly, I would love to see what Nicolaisen can do. I've seen him for I've only seen him for 10 minutes on TV that I've watched but he looked very comfortable on the ball when I saw him and FC Magistrand are a team that, have, that are famed in Denmark for their passing and their controlling style of football. So if Ports have adapted to that and he comes in and it helps, he'll it, fit like a glove.
2: I will say one thing, can I add something and it, it it's just, you've just reminded me, it just gets on my nerves Obviously, like we we play this long kind of direct hoofball every now and then, especially Raggett in the team. But when Marquis is starting, and our front four the weekend was actually apart from Curtis was actually quite not that tall and not that physical. So this is what gets on my nerves. You've got Mark Harness who's excellent on the ball, Curtis who's good on the ball, who's also he can win stuff in the air. But and then Jacobs who's probably the smallest player on the pitch with Marquis as well. He's not going to win a lot. I was just, I, it just baffles me as to why we just keep lumping it up and, and, and being so direct. If you bring in a centre-half who could maybe play out from the back a bit more, this could kind of benefit, especially if we play with the same front four, um, with Jacob picking up kind of pockets. But yeah, as you say, all the, the, them, a lot of the Scandinavian teams are kind of famed I've played a few football tournaments in Sweden and when you come up against these Scandinavian teams, they do just play out from the back. They're taught it from a very young, young age. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm really excited to see him play.
1: I think the reason no, for that is just th- the, the midfield. There's no link between the midfield and the and the front four, which is yeah. why um, Matt Clark running forward like he did worked so much two seasons ago and why Burgess doing that work last season is because um, the double pivot just aren't given the licence to do anything which I Agreed. think deteriorates the play
0: a lot. All right, boys, let me stop you there because I'm going to go to what the people have said on the listener tweets, and we'll go through them in a little bit, like always. But cheers, everyone, again. I'll say thank you again because we went on for a little bit. And let's go. Steve Dean's message in. Cheers, mate. He says, 4 one 4 Jacobson Cannon in front of Naylor in the midfield triangle. I'd stick with Marquis Harrison after an hour if it's not working. Get Brown back in. No, that's interesting. That's not something I've heard on Twitter recently, even to the last few days. But people want Lee Brown back in. Um, Sam, do you think that's based on the on the character level of it? And Freddie shaking his head. I'm sure he's got an opinion yeah. on this as well. Is is it is it a leadership issue? Is something that Lee Brown could bring, as well as the fact he's been getting forward more than last season.
2: Um, I wouldn't say it's a leadership issue because Lee Brown's been in the side against Rochdale, and he was in the side against Stevenage. Which, uh, you know, he he's clearly not being a leader in those games as well. Um, I think Pring had a tough time against Naismith, who's a very good player at this level, played championship. So he did maybe get exposed a little bit, but he did like getting forward and he's young. Um, I think they need, he needs Jacket. I actually hate saying Jacket because he's still our manager, but he needs to, (laughs) he needs to, um, he needs to stick with one of them because it's just going to affect the, Kind of chemistry with Curtis, like obviously Lee Brown and Curtis play for each other a lot. But you know, if he's going to keep playing, if he's going to play pring, he's got to give him a run in the in the side to try and give him some kind of opportunity to get a bit of chemistry going with Curtis down that left hand side. He's definitely young. He he looks like he can. He looks like he wants to get like he's an aggressive young player. So he's got potential. He's just got to give him a chance.
1: Freddie,
0: do you I, th- one I one th- think depending on it, it,
1: it depends on how Burton's set up. If Lucas Aikens, one of the better players, is on the right wing, I think Pring will struggle a lot. So Kenny might just take the pragmatic approach approach and just match him up with Lee Brown, which I wouldn't mind personally. I don't think, I don't think that's the change that will lead to ports of dropping points. I think you could have either of them personally. No, I agree. But this is what I this agree.
2: is what this is what you mean with the other managers. Other managers would kind of they would do that they would you know change players to kind of uh against who they're kind of like Nigel Clough he'd be flexible you know if there's a player he thinks oh god I'm gonna he's, he's gonna have a tough time you know he'd, he'd change it up whereas Kenny you know he sometimes you just you can see the same stuff happening every week and it's just uh, I don't really want to talk yeah. about him anymore but
0: <laughs> right let's go to Roy instead Roy Clark messages in he says I'd like to see close and Harrison start or come on quicker Brown will probably swap back in anyways. Who knows how Jacket's dice will land. I would definitely like to see a shot on goal for a change. Well, that's true, Roy. We're not getting many of those on target at the moment. But, you know, you might get lucky. Yeah, close in, Harrison in. I think I think we can agree with that. I I actually want to see Ellis Harrison come in because I feel like these players up front definitely need someone to help bring them into the game, um, help them with some territory, press press from the front. Harrison didn't always seem to drop back as deep, apart from when he played that awful back pass uh, a couple of games ago. I can't remember which one. They're all blurring into one at the moment. Um, but yeah, no Harrison in. Let's see what he can do because Marcus at the moment isn't being utilized properly, and I do feel that Ellis Harrison is like ollie hawkins version 5.0 if that makes sense he's got the ability to hold the ball up he's got the ability to bring people into play and let's be honest at the moment i'm going to say that ollie hawkins is probably kenny jackett's most successful striker at the club in the way that he was used i think you've got to look at it and go we were playing our best football in some ways or our most successful football maybe not our best football when ollie hawkins was up front so let's go back to basics kenny if you're going to play this shitty football Let's stick Let's stick Ellis Harrison up front because he actually has a, a chance of getting some of these balls that have been played up to John Marquis.
1: Oh, precisely, yeah. Um, when Marquis was in the team scoring a lot of goals, it was when Portsmouth were more, as you said, when they were more aggressive and they, and they had a range of passing to them. But if you're solely going to go for the crosses and the channel balls, uh, Harrison on his own is the better pick and you do what Kenny never does and change it to a four-four-two, which has its other complications. But presumably, if it's four-two-three-one and that's the style of passing he wants to use, Harrison might have to start.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, let's go on to the next person here. Uh, Jackie's jacket says, "Cheers, mate." He says, "Given that Kenny won't change the formation, I would like to see Harness at ten. He was the only one, only good one in attacking uh, mid, driving at their defence and trying to pick up the good positions against Wigan." given aggressiveness isn't his style I hope it wasn't a one off it was one of his most Im- imposing displays Sam do you reckon it was an imposing display Freddie he wants to jump in here give us a hand
2: um i don't think it was in, i don't think it was imposing um necessarily i I'm a massive i harness is probably like one of my favorite players personally and, and I was actually gonna if there was like a kind of i'm sure you did like podcast at the start of the season you probably did some hot takes of like what you think for the season and I was going to say Marcus Harness to, to you know, have a blinder of the season get uh double figures goals and assists or something like that mm-hmm. and and I genuinely think he has got the ability to play in the championship because his first touch is superb most of the time it's just you sometimes it's decision making you wonder kind of he could make another decision which is probably why he's playing at this level um but then on Saturday, he did have a good game, and, and I don't really understand why he was taken off. Um, that was no, surprising. Yeah, and a lot of, he was probably one of our only bright sparks. Um, I mean, he could play in that number 10, but it's been highlighted a lot, especially from a few guys I've seen on Twitter, that playing him in 10, he's going to be where there's a lot more players, and maybe he'd be better where, out wide, where there's a bit more space. But again, he is very technically good on the ball, so maybe he could kind of play on that half turn in that 10 position this is an issue we keep saying, why haven't we signed a proper number 10 to just do the job properly?
1: Jacobs played majority as a left winger. He, yeah. he he looks like an excellent footballer, Yeah, but it looks like the sort of signing where the manager needs a spark, so he went, okay, I've managed Jacobs before at Wolves, and I think he went for that over him fitting at 10. He may fit at 10, I could be completely wrong later on, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think we're going to have this problem all season. I think the other problem with Harness playing at 10, he's got the toolkit to play at 10, but that also means you might have to play Ryan Williams at right wing who creates nothing personally. And that's yeah. just not the, not just my opinion. The analytics last season proved that Ryan Williams created basically nothing for 80% of games.
0: No, I agree. I agree. There's, there is an issue there, but I think, Sam, my opinion on why... Uh, Marcus Harnes, etc., is drifting into the centre as well it's because he wants to get more involved in the game. Um, I think, especially when you see John Marcus coming so deep, it's been evident that Marcus Harnes has actually been our most forward player. He's almost filling into that role, in it's in the centre looking for the ball. But if you think about it really, if he had some support around him, some options, some people giving him something, then he, his decision making might look a little bit better. But at the mm. moment, He's a player he has got the ball, he's running with it, and he's thinking, right, who's giving me something? And it's flat, there's nothing going on. So, yeah, unlucky. But let's go on. George messaged in. He says, "Uh, my thoughts right now, the club is in a disgraceful state from top with the Eisners seemingly starting to lose interest in the club with being completely silent on social media to the awful management of the football club to the players playing terribly on the pitch. Hopefully it turns around next week because I'm worried about you, mate. Oh, he carried on. He said, we have 1,200 interested in coming to the protest. So if nothing gets done by the top of the club to change how the way the football club's being run, there will be 1,000 people protesting down Frogmore Road on the 10th of October. What do they say in business? Same people get same results. Uh, Come um, on, Freddie. It's, depra- <laughs> it's, it's a bit depressing to take that
1: question. <laughs> It's a bit depressing that we're talking about protests and funds to, to 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 try and replace the manager. It's a it's a strange place to be in, and the problem with this sort of stuff, you can go and protest if you want, but Matt Cattlin isn't going to change his mind by that. If anything, he'll double down. Same with the raising the money. If you looked at some of the absolutely despicable names that people were giving themselves, like Emiliano Seller, I don't need to tell you the others, they were horrendous. It doubles down his opinion that that essentially, it's just a social media thing, that it, that it doesn't matter. I think if, if fans were in the stadium, it would be an entirely different situation. But yeah, it, it, it's just not the situation I want my football club to be in, to be honest.
2: So he said about the owners kind of, being disinterested, yes, there's the issue around the manager, which everyone knows about, and everyone clearly there's a everyone's probably got the same opinion on it. He said about the owners being disinterested. He has. We've there has got to be that kind of reality check that the club would be struggling a lot more without them at the moment. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't have the players we've got. We wouldn't be. You know, the the, the reason Pompey are in a good, well, relatively good position considering the pandemic is because Michael Eisner is we are lucky to have Michael Eisner and the fact that he is kind of making up that money we're losing to say the owners are disinterested etc I I think that's a bit of a a naive comment in my opinion I I honestly do believe that the Eisners are good for the club and they have got the best interest of the club at heart they are just stalling on this decision to get rid of the manager which has alienated a lot of people Um, and that is the main that is the main issue um I, I honestly think in the long term they will be good for the club once the, the fans are back in the ground they can start making the right decisions to take the club forward and making decisions that will make fans happier which i think they will do but i i just think at the moment with the with the whole no fans being in stadiums losing 700 grand a month or something uh, something like that something a number around there the fact we've got the organisers to kind of back us up in that sense we are quite fortunate it's just the, the kind of the whole situation around the managers is toxic, and and that, that is what alienating That's what's getting to a lot of people, including myself. Um, but yeah, to do with the Isens financially, I think we are lucky to have them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's true. So let's go on. Um, Andy Saunders comes in. He says Brown in for Pring, close in for Morris, Harrison for Marquis. Don't agree. Don't disagree. Sorry with you there, mate. Um, happy with that. Chris Harris says we're just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. Well, <laughs> that's probably true, mate. I do take that honest, point because
1: if you look at the transfers that came in this uh, this summer, I didn't wholeheartedly disagree with any of them, even Sean Raggett, really. Uh, even though the, some of the performances against Wigan, some of the individual performances weren't very good and a couple of players look disinterested i think it's it's easy to say but i think a lot of that is down to the style of football they're being told to play every week and honestly it's awful it's abject and more importantly it doesn't work when ports are winning games so th- that is what that's what keeps the players motivated that that gets the that gets the bonus their bonuses in as well winning solves a lot of problems and Losing just exacerbates the tactical ones that we have, and uh, that that's why that point is a insightful one. Because um, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't have much hope for Saturday if the tactics don't change, and I, I haven't been shown any evidence that they will. Alison Lane
0: messaged me, he says, Hey lads, just my thoughts ahead of the podcast today. I get the frustration for all the fans regarding the manager, etc. I think the problem we've got, we've got such a talented squad, and you know for a fact that if this squad was managed by an attacking manager like Cook, don't know about that, um, we would would tear teams apart. There's such basic things that can fix this team, but Kenny has his favourites and won't change them um i.e morris brown we need a new manager or when the fans are back in the stadium uh, it'll be booing jacket rather than cheering for the team that doesn't solve or help anyone i mean he's got a point but at the same time uh, getting fans back in the ground seems quite a long way away now is it from my opinion so i don't know if that's gonna hopefully when fans are back in the ground and let's be honest the majority of fans or or more that make an impact on you know money revenue etc jacket isn't here but you know, I don't know. Any comments on that, boys?
1: I don't think we're going to see fans in the stadium for months, personally, with no. the way that a certain I think we're we'll lucky this
0: year at the moment. All right, let's do one more. At Sevier's good in and says, a win at the Pirelli Stadium, uh, like on Easter Friday 2019, is the very late least Pompey fans will hope for. Let's hope that we can collect three welcome points. Is and it? that they aren't too
2: tired. <laughs> is it? Uh, here's a question. Would you rather us... If if we lose that game convincingly on Saturday, mm. would you rather that, and then get rid of him potentially, or do you think if we even if we lose if we even if we lose even if we even if we lose convincingly, do you think he will stay?
1: Well, well, he, he's, he'll stay if we lose. No, I'm, I, I'm not you. in the I'm not in the position where I want Porsa to lose before kick off. I've i still never thought that. Neither have I. Don't, I, I don't think I ever will.
0: No, I don't think it's going to make any difference, really, Sam. That's the thing. If I actually thought that for this one game, if Pompey loses game, they said to him it was a definitive thing, and they came out and said, look, if you don't get yourself together, Kenny, and pull out a win here, you're out the door. I don't know why, but you know, I might find a £5 Burton Albion shirt on eBay and put it on <laughs> for the day. But the fact is, he's not going, if I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know, but I doubt he's going. Is probably the best way of saying it. If we if we get hammered by Burton at the weekend, so I can't really cheer for something I don't believe is going to happen. So I'm probably going to still back the boys to, yeah, to no, get I'll, a win I'll, if I'll, possible.
2: Obviously, I want. Obviously, I'd always back. I always want Portsmouth to win because that's you can't. I, I find it hard to. I wouldn't be able to support the other team. I want the other team to win, but it's just kind of one of those things where you're just thinking if if we lost convincingly, you know. In the long term, it might be better, but yeah, personally, I could never go against my <laughs> go against my own team. It is,
1: it is a bit depressing. We're at, that we're at the point at where, stage, yeah, yeah, where, and also where we think the only way that Portsmouth will win the game is if um, not through our tactics, but if a, if if an if an individual group of players takes the game by the, struck, the scruff of the neck because the players we have are capable of doing that, mm. and they did that a lot last season. If Curtis um, drops that. Uh, drops the bad form he's had to start the season. If he drops it and scores two amazing goals, cutting in from the left side, and we win two 0 that that wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, we just limp over the line. We could well win. Well, we there's a good chance we just limp to a win on Saturday, and that that's what we do. We just kind of like crawl to a win, as you said, with a bit of individual quality or a mistake. That's it, and that, that's the only way we we kind of win games, and then just try and be defensively solid. And it's just we shouldn't be at the point where we're actually discussing wanting the other team to kind of maybe score. You shouldn't be at that point with any football club.
0: Yeah, especially since we spend a lot of our time, let's be honest, making the podcast, recording it, researching it, getting it out to you guys and stuff. Or You know, so it's not like we want to sit here moaning about the management. We actually want to, you know, talk about Pompey doing well. It's not it's not great to do that in this sense. We, we all want to galvanise behind the team and, and do well. But Cal messages in, cheers Cow. He says, I'll probably start with sacking the manager and telling the lads to go out there and just play football however suits them. Can't get any worse right now. Uh, so nothing to lose. Well, Cal, I actually agree that if you just said to the guys, here's who's playing, get out and do whatever you want, we would be doing better. Uh, so maybe Cal in is the one I'm going to say to that. But let's go and talk about Burton Albion because they are the team we are going to play against. And we've got five minutes left on the podcast, boys. So let's just try and give a an oversight to the listeners of something that's got a bit more knowledge base to them because Burton have had a, a mixed start to the season so far. Uh, we all know they're a pretty decent team, but they have lost Scott Fraser, who went out. I think he went to MK Dons. Um I think he's their best player. He's the talisman in the middle for them. A player that I really rate. Me and Freddie were desperate to get him um, playing for Pompey. Just imagine it now. Scott Fraser in the centre midfield. It's not happening right. I'll move on. But yeah, no. They started off with a, a 2-1 loss um, to Fleetwood. And we know Fleetwood are a pretty decent side. So no disrespect there. They beat Accrington Stanley 2-1. Um, and then they lost They lost the last game, though. 4-2 away from free scoring Uh Pittman led Swindon. So um, it's not been an easy start for them, but they've got a win, Freddie. And do you think the Burton Albion are going to be a team that are going to walk all over us with those sort of results? Or, you know, what, what's your take on it?
1: I don't think, I, I, I still think it would be a tough game. They've got still some good players. They've, lo- well, like many of the teams we've seen, they've lost a lot of their key players, oh. but they've still got some players who, who, who if they play on their on their day, if they play well, will worry about sort of, Lucas Aikens, I think, is probably Burton's best player. Always rated him. Even when Port- the- Burton played against Portsmouth in League Two, I rated him then. He can play either, either side of the wing or even in the middle or sometimes up front. And he'll be their main attacking outlet. They've got came Hemmings, who scored goals at League Two and Scottish Championship level. In terms of a poacher, they've got some gritty centre midfielders like John Gerald, uh, Gerald Toole, who... If if Portsmouth don't get that link between their centre midfield and the front four right, then those centre midfielders will eat up our midfield and just control the play from there. So that would be uh, those would be the things that I would look out for for Saturday. Sam,
2: uh, yeah, obviously Burton they've had a bit of changes. Some with with Nigel Clough leaving, and they got a new manager or a new it was like a player who's taken over.
1: Yeah, Jake, um, Buxton, you're Jake right? Buxton. Jake Buxton. Jake yeah.
2: Buxton. Yeah, so obviously I've had a bit of change there, but they've always been a club who've kind of played some, especially under Clough, they've always played a good style of football, attacking football. Um, Give us a tough game at Fratton Park last year. We drew two all, I think, Um, and they've scored. I think we went two to one up and then they scored. But they got, yeah, they always play a good brand of football. and, And I'm just worried that it's going to be the same old kind of away day for Pompey where a team with any sort of, anything about them So I actually thought I didn't think Rochdale had much about them, which is why we dominated a little bit more. But a team with anything about them will be able to just get their foot on the ball and just pass through our midfield and and then just put our centre halves under pressure. Um, and and that's what that's what's worrying me. Um, at the moment, I'm struggling to see if we play anything like we did on Saturday, how we can get a result again because we just I've seen nothing this season apart from maybe ten minutes at the start against Wigan which wasn't even that good, and a bit of pressure in the second half against Rochdale where we've actually looked half-decent. But that, that's it. I'm, I've seen nothing that's going to suggest that we're going to go there and get on the ball and dominate because it's never been like that under jacket. We know what it's going to no. be like. So, you know, yeah. I, could see, I could definitely see us going there and nicking something for a mistake or, you know, a bit of Curtis magic. That's it, really. That that is literally all, or something that goes in off Markus's ass or something. That's Actual
0: it. Result, like, us, uh, something yeah. Like that. yeah,
2: yeah, So, but that's what I mean. So, you, you never know. I, I'd probably say a draw again, but it's just it's, again it's just limping along, not really doing much.
0: Yeah, no. Um, just to put it out to people who don't know, Burton's style of play is quite a short passing. They're good down the wings. They do press a lot. Um, and, and they will take shots as well when they got them. So they're, they're a team that would like to build, like to have possession of the ball. Uh, and if Pompey do play that sort of deep formation where we just sit back and put men behind the ball, Burton will thrive usually in that situation because they can get the ball and they will pass it down. And they will put us under sustained pressure. They will, you know, press higher up the pitch. Um, And that could cause us problems. Now, as Sam says, we have got quality in the squad that can score goals and, you know, can create something. We can nick something. But it's more about whether that will happen or not. So... It's one of those things, really, boys. But Burton playing a four-three-three, Freddy. It's one of the formations that me and you have talked about—a four-three-three, high press, short passing, possession football. Man can dream, can't he? Let's. This this is the dream, really, and the sort of style of play I want to see play. Um, and do you think that's ultimately going to come out and uh, defeat Pompey at the weekend?
1: If you want a score prediction, I'll go down the middle and say one or draw. Where we will, where. Burton will take the lead. We'll, nit, we'll, nit, we'll nick a goal randomly in like the 60th or 70th minute, then try and go for a second and not get it. If if Burton set up like that and Portsmouth don't are not expansive in the way that they should be, that scoreline could be could be a lot worse than that. Sam, what's your score prediction for the game, mate?
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna go the same, but I'm gonna just do it a bit differently. See, I want all draw, but I think. We haven't actually got to this talking point this season where we actually go in front and we all remember what, we go, what happens when we go in front. We just sit deep and absorb pressure and we haven't actually got to that, that talking point yet, that that issue, that problem that we all had last season. The amount of times we'd play well for 20 minutes, go 1-0 up and then just invite so much pressure. Um, so I think that's going to happen on Saturday. I think we're going to go 1-0 up in the first half. Pretend, maybe look quite good and then first 20 minutes, get a goal, probably Curtis... And then we will just invite pressure for 60 minutes, and they'll get a penalty or something like that, or a corner, and it will just that that's it will be one all, and and that's that's what I'm going down the line of for Saturday. But it's just a bit depressing because we can all see it coming.
0: Yeah, see Andy Mitchell-Moore, the same person, can have the same score predictions. So don't don't have any of that lip anymore on the podcast. But boys, I'm going to go a bit different on this one, mate. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to Burton Albion. Um, I I genuinely think that um, it's going to be a game that maybe we get a consolation goal, but I think we'll get a goal Um, early on in the game. And I think, unfortunately, Sam, that that pressure is going to be something that is too much for us to take defending back. We don't look solid enough at the back. And if Bryn Morris plays, then I'm going to be really quite upset, to be honest, in the middle. So bracing myself to be upset, to be honest, because I can't see it changing. But if it does, then thank you very much. But boys, it's been great having you both on the podcast. That's about all I've got for today, if I'm honest. There's not really much more we can go into without being... Uh, any more negative, and I think we captivated it pretty well on that. So, uh, Sam, mate, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Thank you, ready, mate. Pleasure as well as always. O- always nice to be on. And until next time, Pompey. you have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News now, available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO forecast and Pompey news now on Twitter for more information.
1: And there is the full time whistle.